This episode of the Coin World Podcast is sponsored by Amos Advantage. Looking to see your collection in greater detail? Check out the wide selection of Carson magnifying products and microscopes available at amosadvantage.com. Count on Carson to bring you truly innovative, high-quality optics at extraordinary value. And count on Amos Advantage for all your coin collecting supply needs. Visit amosadvantage.com to explore our inventory. Would you like to sponsor the Coin World Podcast? If so, contact your Coin World sales representative or email Brian Hertel at B-H-E-R-T-E-L at AmosMedia.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Affordable rates and multi-episode discounts are available. Contact us today to sponsor the Coin World Podcast. Welcome to the Coin World Podcast with your host, Jeff Stark. As I've said from day one of this show, this is a big tent hobby. There's a lot of room for folks. And Larry Jewett. And learning has been such a tremendous amount of this journey. The Coin World Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Coin World Podcast. We're glad to have you here. I'm Larry Jewett. And I'm Jeff Stark. And I am so happy to be joined by Jeff once again as we continue on our journey here as we have the podcast guest coming up later on today. Jeff did a lot of work in getting this uh, particular guest booked here. He worked like a dog, I could safely say here, didn't you? <laughs> yes, uh, I'm an eager beaver to uh, to <laughs> talk to him. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, we're, we're being silly and stupid because... Uh, we had Daniel Clements on. Uh, we interviewed him. Uh, he runs Dan's Coin Zoo, Daniel's Coin Zoo, which is uh, coinzoo.net. And so it's a helpful little website with uh, animal coins listed on circulating coins. And we got to explore the story behind it and how he got started and why animal coins are fun and affordable and all that, because we want people to enjoy that side of the hobby. It's not just the million dollar rarities and all that. You can build a nice nest egg with uh, just cheap, fun coins. Well, we, I mean, my very first coin purchase happened to be an animal related coin, thanks to uh, one of the articles that you wrote in Coin World concerning dog coins and yeah. having a greyhound. And then I got the greyhound coin from Somalia and I've since purchased from the Royal Mint the Greyhound coin that they have there. So this was a kind of a labor of love as well, as you'll hear in the interview from Daniel, how he got started on all that. You know, thanks to our friends at Amos Advantage, we're able to bring you programs like that. And we ask that if you uh, really enjoy the program, make sure you uh, tell your friends about it. Make sure you subscribe to it. Make sure you're a regular listener. We uh, hear from our regular listeners every now and again. We love getting those letters. We love hearing from you. We love your suggestions, and uh, we certainly look forward to a lot of great episodes in the days coming ahead. But I've got to go back just a couple of episodes right here and make mention of one of the things we talked about early on was the arrival of the Washington crossing the Delaware quarter dollar. And I kind of threw a little bit of a challenge out there. I wanted to see if anybody could come up with one of those. And so far, none of the emails that have made any mention of it, whether they actually did find one, didn't talk about it. But I have to tell you the story. Last night, as I was making a purchase at a local grocery store, which happened to be the same chain where I found my 2020 Samoa W quarter, I got some change. I got three quarters in change. And as I looked at them quickly, I saw they were very shiny. And I said to the wife, I said, I got to check these when we get home. 
And so I checked them and I emptied out my pockets and I looked at them and I said, huh. And lo and behold, I had three Washington crossing the Delaware quarters. It was interesting because I saw the obverse side first with the traditional George Washington picture there, and it had 2021 under it. And I went, I know what's on the back of this. And sure enough, there it was. And so I'm, I'm so happy. I had a friend of mine ask me two weeks ago if I had had any return to me or I'd seen any. And so now tonight, when I see that friend again, I am taking that coin with me. And he's a listener, so he'll know after I show him tonight and then he hears it mentioned next week. I'm going to mention his name, Christian Abbott. Christian, if you're listening, hope you enjoyed looking at the coin. Yeah, I do. Um, I envy you because I have not found those, but I do appreciate the mention of Amos Advantage because I just bought something from them today. And I'm What'd actually and I'm looking at uh, the website because I may get some more stuff. But a friend of mine, I've given her some coins over the years uh, of Winston Churchill and uh, Montana because she's uh, spent a lot of time in Montana and that's her favorite place. I gave her some medals. Of Montana, and this is a, a rectangle frame, you know, magic display frame, and I think I'm going to get a couple. I, I don't know that I have enough of for all the pieces that she has. Might have to get a couple of them, but you know, for like twenty bucks, you get this seven-inch rectangle frame, and you can put the stuff in, and it sort of looks like it's floating out there, and you can set it along a wall. It's sort of like a shadow box effect, but you can put minerals and watches and other, you know, but coins and metals go in there nice, nicely. And so I thought when I visited her in Asheville a month or so ago, you know, she mentioned, oh, I got all these coins. What am I going to put them in? And I said, I know what I'm going to get when I visit the home office. As I'm doing this week, I'm going to get some of these. And uh, so, yeah, you know, there's there's lots of cool stuff like that out there. And, um, you know, you just got to poke around. And if you don't know it exists, you know, you got to discover it somehow. And, and thankfully, I discovered that it was an offering there. And, um, yeah, so I thanks to Amos Advantage. I'm, I'm taking care of my friend's uh, collection so she can display it. Well, and as they say, it doesn't cost anything to look. And certainly I know there are a few things on my kind of my wish list here coming up because that was where I got my mega red last year was off Amos Advantage. We were talking last week to Jeff Garrett about this and my mega red came from Amos Advantage. I had to wait on it, of course, because I ordered it and I was waiting on the arrival of it. And then, uh, you know, there have been a couple of other purchases that have been made there, some more supplies type things, uh, because there's a lot of supplies that they have there. I'm looking at more magnifiers. I'm looking at the micrometers, uh, different things that I can add to it there. But, uh, you know, here again, just uh, take some time and take a look as you did and did your shopping. And uh, I'm sure the folks at Amos Advantage are going to continue to, uh, I mean, I've also got Rusty's book on the, uh, the Carson City Collector on my list of uh, things that I know that they carry that I'm going to get as well. There's lots of stuff to get. And the problem is, you know, I like to eat too. <laughs> and, and I don't like to pay my bills, but I like to pay the bills, if you know what I mean. So I, uh, I have to be um, judicious. But uh, in any event, check it out. And that's uh, why we can do this every week. And uh, you got to have something to organize your collection. And I, I know I've been finding the last month or so, really some joy and sorting through things, looking them up, pricing them out, figuring, okay, you know, this is catalogs for this, but people are sold it on eBay for this. So, you know, this is the real market value and, 
you know, just and putting them in alphabetical order and, you know, all that fun stuff that, you know, we collectors, many of us like to make order of things in the world. And that's one of the ways we do that through collecting is uh, understanding the world and processing this, the objects and learning about them. You know, I was at a shop in St. Louis a couple weeks ago and, you know, the guy, Dave there showed me, he's like, oh, look at this coin. It has a, it actually was an animal, oddly enough. I can't remember what it was, but he's like, he had written facts down about the animal on the two by two. And he's doing that kind of stuff in preparation for the Missouri Numismatic Society show in July, because, you know, he's, he's trying to really work hard to share the hobby with uh, young and new collectors and he knows that the you know the animal coins are a fun way to do that you know they're often affordable you know a dollar or less in bulk you can find neat animals you can find animals that you wouldn't you've never seen in the US other than maybe a, a, at a zoo so there's lots of ways to approach it and um, that's fun and of course we we talked a little bit about that with Dan of the the coin coin zoo website so Anyway, yeah, it, it, it'll be an interesting uh, tale how he got involved in that. Everybody has their own entry into the pre, into the hobby, whatever it may be, and changes of direction and things that do happen there. You know, interestingly too, I was going through the coins that I have because I have another couple of bags of uh, fifty coins each on their way from a successful auction bid that I just had to re up my next auction bid. But anyway, I mean, I've got more coins coming. So I spent some time today and yesterday organizing that collection that I have and how many countries I do have and what ones I do have and what ones do I have duplicates of and, and getting them logged in to where they belong. And, and so now that that's been completed, there's a sense of satisfaction in knowing that the job has been done and knowing that if somebody says, hey, do you have this? I can say yes or no conclusively. And if yes, I can produce it because I know right where it is. It's not in a bag, a mixed bag of a hundred or in a treasure chest or in a bowl or whatever the case may be. So there's something to be said for it. But the ones that like for the birth year, they're all in two by twos. They're all in a notebook or a a binder in plastic uh, pages and and the problem is I've got them out organized alphabetically. And the most recent one was Columbia, which means I had to move about 35 of them down the line so I could get Columbia in its right spot. So it's just like, okay, well, that's a small price to pay for the sense of satisfaction that comes with it. And, you know, that's what I've, I find a lot of folks that I talk about are, are very organized. They're very dedicated. They're very, uh, you know, they're very purpose driven. If you have a collection, then you have an understanding of what your needs are. You have a list on your phone. You have, you know, a uh, a list somewhere out there. You have some way of knowing what you have, what you don't have, and you can avoid the redundant purchase that wouldn't necessarily be what you were looking for. So yeah. it's really neat to understand the nuances and the mindsets of what goes on in the hobby world, not just our hobby, but in all the hobbies. Yeah. And I, as I recall, one of your favorite pieces, I'm looking at your collection list now, is a birth year cow coin. So that's an animal coin. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, a, that's... it's a scallop shaped. It's uh you know, uh-huh. That's Odd it. denomination, and it's uh, you know your birth year, and then it's Guernsey, this tiny little island. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of fun little points to that, you know, and it's you know a couple dollars or something I think for it, and um, 
you know, maybe $3 or something. And, you know, it's, it's just a neat little piece. And then, Hey, you know, add it on top of the fact that it's your birth year. So. Yeah, that made it nice. And I mean, it was like that when it came down to it buying from Ireland and it was like, cause Ireland is notorious for having animals. It was like, do I want this animal? Do I want that animal? Well, why don't I just get, get the both dog. of them? I, well, the yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got that in the horse. So. And the rabbit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I've got a, I mean, I've got domesticated, I've got wild, I've got a little bit of everything there. And, so you know, you have, you have, uh, lions on a coin from Iran, uh, mm-hmm. Great Britain. I mean, there's so many, so many ways to, uh, approach it. And, you know, the eagle on the, all the Mexican coins, um, you know, there's lots of animals out there. The, the Tui bird, I think it is in New Zealand, you have quite a little coin zoo of your own mm-hmm. without uh, even making that an intentional focus. But I'll tell you, I may steal the idea from Daniel, though. When you give a listen to it, you'll understand why it can be very, very attractive. But there's a lot of attractions here. I mean, the wife has gotten coins with ships on them. And anybody that has, I mean, you, you can go a number of different ways. You can do ships as a transportation theme. You can do it because you had a relative in the Navy, whatever the case may be. I mean, the history that's involved in so many of these and going through some of these yesterday and looking at coats of arms and looking at all the different things that are on there and the designs that are there and uh, just getting the idea that whatever strikes your fancy, you don't have to defend whatever it is. It's your collection. It's your quest. It's your directive. It's yours. And there's no need to defend it. Different strokes for different folks. Absolutely. Bottom line. Bottom line. But this is supposed to be fun, everybody. So, you know, if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. And, you know, every collector and certainly non-collectors ask that question, well, how much is it worth? And you have that mind, that eye toward that value proposition. But, you know, I think it all the time it takes to put a coin in a two by two and look up the information and do all that. If I were paying myself by the hour to do that, the value, you know, I would be in in trouble for violating minimum wage standards because <laughs> it's really you know it's not it's not something that you know is is rewarding financially in that sense they're you know time cost but hey you know you can throw on some music or a podcast or a, a YouTube clip or whatever and and just get lost I mean I find when I sit down and sort my coins, alphabetize them, put the stuff, you know, it's two, three hours later and I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I'm hungry. (laughs) I need to. And, you know, you just get lost in it. And that's, that's what the hobby, I mean, that's hobbies are for, you know, you're supposed to get our minds away from all the crap in the world and all the, you know, the stuff that's going on that, you know, the, the responsibilities and being an adult and all that. I mean, there's obviously, you know, again, you know, there's some, at the higher end, you know, you you take mind of, uh, I mean, there's folks who buy a $100,000 coin and you keep good records and you hope you sell it. And then there's tax implications and other things. But, you know, you know, a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks a year on world coins because just, it's just fun. You know, it's um, it's not as as, as weighty of an issue, I guess, um, uh, in that regard. But uh, anyway. Well. And another thing, too, is, I mean, you talked about my cow coin. If my cow coin, for whatever reason, happens to be fake, I'm okay. 
I'm not heartbroken over it because it was just a couple of bucks. It's not a situation where if you uh, got a 28-piece dollar, let's say, and found out it was fake, and you thought you had a $300, $400 coin, then you're going to be a little bit sick about this. But, you know, I don't worry about that. I mean, I you know, recently we're going to have a story about counterfeit coins that were uh, captured at the uh, seized at the border and uh, through a Chicago facility. And it's just like, wow, you know, these are high dollar coins that somebody thought they were about to get. And, you know, now I, I don't worry about that with my collection because I, I'm, as they say, under the radar on a lot of this stuff. So it's just great. I mean, the counterfeiting situation, I'm not trying to demean that at all by any stretch of the imagination. That's yeah, you very don't diminish real. it. No, that's very real, but it's just not that, you know, much of a concern in my world of low dollar, low investment type things, but it needs to be stopped. It needs to be addressed. I'm thankful there are people out there on the lookout, like the, uh, the anti-counterfeiting task force and the education foundation that they have out there and the government agencies trying to put a stop to it because we don't need that kind of stuff there. I mean, you want to buy the real thing. You want to have the real thing. You don't need a replica of the real thing. You need the real thing. And uh, yeah. I just know that, you know, again, when you get into uh, into the the stratosphere stuff, that's always in the back of your mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I went to a local shop and said, hey, can you just shoot this with your gun and tell me? I was trying to figure out the Canadian quarter from 1968 and the dime as well. But I had a quarter. I'm like, is this the 500 fine silver or the 800 fine silver? And they shot it. No, this is the 800. Okay, cool. You know, it's it's a neg. I won't say a negligible amount. It's, you know, 50 cents different silver, or 25 cents difference. But I just wanted to know what I had. And, you know, I'm not going to buy a $19,000 gun, you know, a, I say gun, it's, it's shaped like a gun. It's this, you know, instrument machine that can do the XR, uh, X-ray spectrometry or whatever to look at my coins. Cause you know, that's just, it's just not worth it. That would be overkill, but I had to know, right. I mean, I, you can't just leave that question that, that space blank or the question unanswered on the two by two, but. Uh, you know, thankfully, it was uh, an easy thing to to find out. Well, while we're finding things out, let's find out what was going on in the world of numismatics right around this time of year. What you got for us today? This is actually pretty funny, I think. Uh, not funny, I'm sorry. It, this is actually important. This is a very important this week in numismatic history. Because we, we go to May 5th, 1968, and this is sort of arcane, but it's really important for the modern market. What happened on May 5th, 1968? Well, that was the day that dealer Abe Kossoff used the Sheldon scale. This is William H. Sheldon, Penny Whimsy notorious author and you know other there's other parts of his story um but the sheldon created the grading scale the zero to 70 grading scale well kossoff used the sheldon scale for u.s coinage other than large cents which that's why it was devised the the sheldon scale was created for large cent grading but kossoff used it in a mail bid sale and that you know, was, I guess, the first time that that had happened in the hobby and, or as you may hear, 
in a week from now. We're not, it, it's not a hobby. It's a business. It's a academic pursuit. But in any event, that was the first time this happened. And, you know, that was an important event because we live and die by that 70 point scale these days. Chris and I talked about Ron Guth's suggestion, his push to do a hundred point scale. That was a few years ago. He refocused his suggestion on that. And, you know, every once in a while, certainly if you're a new, newer collector, you go, well, that looks awful. That looks really nice, but that's only 70. And, you know, there's an assumption that the scale is one to a hundred just because that makes sense. And, you know, that's not the case. That's not the Sheldon scale. And so, you know, why is 70 perfect, uh, perfect coin? Well, you know, it, it goes back, it traces back to Sheldon and the sort of advancement of that scale into the wider collecting world for, for coins really had its, its foothold on May 5th, 1968 with the Alex Shufford mail bid sale that uh, Abe Kossoff did using the Sheldon scale. So we're really looking at 53 years of the Sheldon scale for grading in a wider sense than large sense, which is why it was devised. So it's a you know relatively new iteration or, or creation. And gosh, you know, we know that by 1986, there were third-party grading services, and that was the standard. And it took less than 20 years for it to really gain hold, gain traction across the hobby, across the spectrum. And uh, But it had its start this week in history. So that's, that's a big, important thing, you know, that's, that might have sort of slipped under the radar. Yeah, and it's very important because, I mean, if we go to uh, our recent Most Influential People special edition, a lot of the folks uh, cited the fact that coin grading was one of the biggest innovations in the last 60 years. And, of course, getting it started with the Sheldons and then, of course, the third-party grading companies that developed through the 80s. And, uh, you know, you kept seeing that over and over and over again and just how important it actually is. And it's it's become vital to the collectors who want to make sure that they have what they need to have or what they think they have. And, of course, there's going to be arguments if it's a 63 or a 64 or a 68 or whatever. You know, it's just going to depend. But, uh, you know, the idea that there was some kind of a standardization put there and the scale going only to 70 is still going to be something that's going to be talked about for a long time. But right now she works. So, yeah. Yep. So that was a big milestone, I thought. And um, interestingly, you know, there was a I would I would call this a milestone as well. When we look at this week in coin world history, the the May 2nd, 2005 issue, uh, we're looking at 2005 because that was the year Dan started his collecting journey as as you'll hear in a, mi- in a minute but uh, this was below you know this was toward the bottom of the page but our our colleague Paul Jokes had a story about the uh, the US mint making and selling four nines fine gold coins uh, these gold coins would end up being the buffalo proof buffalo coins and you know of course uh, four nines fine pure gold and they're proven uncirculated, I should add. And I think there's other special collector versions that came later. But at this at this juncture in history, you know, 
not all of that was known, but this was something that took 10 years after Congress gave the Secretary of the Treasury discretion to to issue the program, to launch the program. 24 karat gold, you know, it did not replace the American Eagle. It, it just, you know, supplanted it. it. It runs alongside it. And gosh, you know, uh, the buffalo or bison is such a popular animal coin in the U.S., setting, you know, whether it's the proof 2001, you know, the, the silver dollar in 2001, I should say, whether it's the, uh, the gold bullion that started in 2006 that was being talked about this week in coin world history, or the original design that inspired those both, the five cent coin from 1913 to 1938. So that was, uh, that was the thing I thought, you know, was most important in hindsight, uh, for its impact on the hobby, and hey, it happened to have an animal coin, so that didn't hurt either. No, definitely good correlation there. And you know, you talked earlier about on this week in history. Well, it's interesting that a letter in that very same issue of May of twenty uh, two thousand five dealt with dates. It's called "My Favorite Dates." And the writer says, I read Fred Reed's column the week that was in Coin World and have a favorite date, the mention he made of the Civil War battle between the CSS Virginia and the USS Monitor on March 9, 1862. Fred had mentioned the Civil War token with the legend, My Little Monitor. I just found that one last year. I'd been looking for it for over a year before finding it at Long Beach Expos last year. I found a dealer who not only had the My Little Monitor token, but also another variety without a title. I bought two of the My Little Monitor tokens and one of the other ones. I started collecting tokens a few years back when I got bored with the date and mint sets that I was assembling. Prices were getting out of reach for a truck driver. Civil War tokens are fun, but hard time tokens are even more fun. I love it when a token can actually put a smile on my face with an image of Andrew Jackson sitting in a strong box with a sword in one hand and a money bag in the other. Well, back to dates. One of my favorites is March 8, 1862. That's the date previous to the battle that Fred had mentioned in his column. On March 8, the Virginia did great damage to the U.S. blockade of Hampton Roads, Virginia by single-handedly destroying two U.S. vessels. I heard this date described as... The Confederate Navy ruled the waves for one day. I like that phrase so much, I decided to use it on a website that I waste lots of time at. That's www.wheresgeorge.com. And so that brings up the blast of the past there. I remember wheresgeorge.com and going to it. But the letter came from Michael Warner of San Fernando, California, who concludes it by saying, thanks for publishing Fred's interesting column in Coin World. I look forward to it every week. Really neat. I think Fred for doing that for I guess two or three years because that's uh, where I pull a lot of this from. It was a very popular feature in the time, and you know I think because of the history-minded nature of so many collectors, it really resonated, and that's why that's why we wanted to to sort of offer a, a little slice of that every week on on the podcast so yes we don't want to forget our history because that goes so far there and sometimes you can actually find answers to trivia questions related to dates but the most recent one didn't have anything to do with the dates i'm ready for it bring it on what what did we talk about last time so actually uh you know last week we talked about the red book because we had jeff garrett on and this was if if it was 
in the coin roll trivia game, it was not, I don't think. Uh, that's not where I pulled it from anyway. I would definitely say this would be expert level. I mean, you had a week to look it up, to find it, figure it out. I wanted to talk about the first printing, the first edition of the Red Book, which was released in November 1946. And of course, it has the 1947 cover date on it. I wanted to know how many copies were in that first printing of the Red Book. This is tough. I mean, I didn't know this till looking it up. And, you know, we think of the Red Book as ubiquitous and every collector has one. And it's, you know, the, I went to a bookstore uh, recently and they had a shelf of old ones way priced. I mean, you know, $5 for a 1980s Red Book, I think is stupid. But hey, whatever. That's why it's still there, probably. <laughs> but there's earlier ones. There's special edition ones. There's you know there's more of a market for, but not those ones where they had you know hundred thousand or whatever the, the the printing is. But that wasn't the case with the first edition. So do you have any idea? Any number? Just bring something to the table. Okay, I'll bring something to the table. I don't know. I looked. Tried looking my reg my my mega. It wasn't there. I, I'm going to think because these things are worth, I mean, the original one's worth probably a thousand or more now if you can even find one. But I guess that they didn't have a lot of them back then thinking it's, you know, just post-war and and that. I'm, I'm going to guess about 60,000. Just a bit outside. How By far outside? Quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Is it in the same state? Uh, it's, it, unfortunately, no, you, you overshot it by some multiples. Um, <laughs> it was actually 9,000. So you, you were almost seven times. You were six and a half times higher with 60,000 as a number than, than the actual number. Now, and to, and to think I was going to go with 40,000. Yeah. Hey, and yeah, that w that still would have only been, you know, four and a half times as, <laughs> but uh, 9,000, but then they did come back and make a second printing, I believe of another 9,000 and another 9,000 and another 9,000. No, 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 no. It was no. uh okay. second printing. Uh, they had to, uh, and actually you can, <laughs> they made a correction on the second printing in February, 1947. And the way you can distinguish it is you go to page 135 on the first printing and you look at uh, a number that's listed there and, and to see <laughs> what that number is, because there was an incorrect number, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they are, as you know, very expensive now when they are available and for the diehard, this was all according to Frank J. Coletti, who is the author of a guidebook of the official Red Book of United States Coins. The um, Whitman organization in recent years has published a tribute edition, which is, you know, basically the same everything of that first edition, just you know, a much higher printing and uh, wider distribution and all that. So if, you know, I can't afford an original one, uh, I'm, I'm, I won't speak for you, but I mean, I guess I could if I sold a kidney or something. I, I don't want to do that, though. I, I love books and coin books, but I'm content to have the uh, modern tribute edition in my collection in that place <laughs> as the placeholder. 
It's a fun little bit of trivia. So then I got to thinking, okay, we talked about animal coins this week with the interview. So I have to look at a United States coin with an animal. And one of my favorites is the answer to this trivia question. This is, you know, a lot of folks are going to know this. I I don't know if you're going to know this, but hey, here goes. Which coin of the United States of America features dolphins in the design? Mm. So, you know, it's, uh, you have to think about it. It's, um, you know, stop and think about it. Just do your okay. homework. You, you should be able to find it. If you get stumped, if you give up uh, thinking about it, you can flip through the red book and you should see it in the red book. I, Look close. I, you know, this is not my answer. It's not my answer. But I think, you know, I've got to be careful that you're not poking fun at me because I don't have my Florida, America, the beautiful quarter. But I know enough about the design to realize that's probably not it. So, uh, no, uh, no. Okay, so, see, there you go. Little, so little, I've eliminated one coin. Yeah, so we'll I, I will to... say one of my favorite of the America the Beautiful designs has a butterfly on it. So that's, you know, hey, that's an animal. But um, and that's, a, that's a recent one, too. So. Yeah, but, you know, and then, of course, the bat, the Samoa bat coin with the coat. You know, people were saying, oh, that's the U.S. Mint made this for COVID. And it's like, well, no, but the timing mm. is a little, <laughs> a little unfortunate or odd. But, hey, you know, that's uh, that's how it goes. So don't think too hard about it while you're listening to the interview, because we want you to hear all the good stuff that we talked about with Dan and the coinzoo.net. But, uh, you know, you got a week and we'll come back and we'll have the answer next time. Yeah, so this is a perfect opportunity for us to open up the gates and welcome you to CoinZoo.net with its keeper, Dan Clements. The Coin World Podcast is just so thrilled today to have a gentleman you probably have not heard of, but you should really check out his website. Daniel Clements is a collector in Canada who has created a coin zoo. We'll get to that and explain what that is uh, in just a moment. Thank you so much for being here, though. Uh, thanks for having me. Let me explain for the listeners what this is. CoinZoo is actually your website, CoinZoo.net, where you post your personal WorldCoin collection that's an attempt to, um, reading from the website, collect all circulating coin types that feature animals on either side from 1901 to present. You can explore by country, animal type, or select one of the quick collections. You know, you have mythological animals, reptiles, all these different areas. Um, When did this start and how did you come into this area? I launched the site in 2005 and, you know, built it up slowly from there. It started a little bit before then, obviously, because at that point, I was already had decided to collect in that area. It actually started with I was I collected Canadian colonial tokens. Okay, so I'm not sure if if you all know what uh, oh, those the Bank are, of Montreal but... and the different Quebec. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's some really neat stuff in there. Yeah, it's a really amazing collecting area. It goes from about uh, 1812 to 1860, and uh, I was very heavily into that. All my resources were going into that. But it was also right at a time when that collecting area was, you know, it was neglected, I guess, for a long time. But people were getting into it. So the prices were skyrocketing. 
and I was starting to get shut out at coin shows. You know, I'd go to coin shows and I wouldn't be able to acquire anything. And which is like, you know, that's what we do, right? Yeah. Yeah. We want to acquire stuff for our collections. It's like a fire that you have to feed. If you don't keep stoking it, it, it dies out. Yeah. Yeah. Or it would be like, I'd be able to get one coin. It would be a beautiful coin, but it would blow the entire budget. You know, it's like, hundreds of dollars and other ones you'd want were, you know, out of my range. So I decided to collect um, my birth year, 1962. I thought I'm going to get an example of every single coin, circulating coin minted anywhere in the world that was uh, minted in 1962. And I was doing that. I was going for that, uh, you know, had quite a few and trying to build the list. That's, of course, the hard part is figuring out what they... It's easy now with sites like Numista, but back then I didn't know about that or if it existed. So one day I was in a coin store, you know, a small coin shop where I live, looking through, you know, how they have like the treasure chest just like packed full of coins. Yeah. Just in a big heap, right? They're in two by twos. In this case, they weren't loose. And I was like going through there, going through, looking through for 1962. And I came across one of the Irish Barnyard series. Oh, yes. With the Beautiful. pig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mother pig and the piglets. And it was like, I was like, wow, like that's amazing. 1965. Bummer, right? I was like, <laughs> so I didn't buy it, right? I left it because I thought, well, I got to get that in 1962. And I didn't even know about it. It wasn't even on my list. So I went home. I looked in my Krauss catalog to add it to my list. And guess what? That coin was not minted in 1962. <laughs> right? So like every coin wasn't minted every year. So I was like really disappointed. And then I thought, you know, what's the deal here, right? I went back to the store. It was still there. And I bought it. And, uh, you know, and I was just, so I just had this coin. I had this, you know, this nice coin with a big pig. You know, I used, I actually used to be a pig farmer at one point as a, as, <laughs> as a, as a youth, right, with my family. So then the next stage was I'm at a coin show in Toronto. I'm just sort of wandering around, like looking at the tables. And there's another, there's a guy there. I can't remember who it was, like a dealer. And he had it, he had a treasure chest too, right? You know, the stuff for the kids, you know, 25 cents a coin or something like that. And they're just loose, big pile. And right on top was the Peru uh, half sole coin. It's like a golden coin, you know. Oh, yeah. It's there. It's got the vicuna on it, which I th- thought was a camel. But, uh, you know, I was like, oh, look at that. That's really amazing. And the dealer starts telling me about this coin that he's selling for 25 cents. Oh, that's a vicuna. And, you know, it's it made the softest wool known. And uh, it was reserved for the, uh, I want to say emperor, but whatever the... Yeah, the, the leader was. Yeah, and I was like, that's that's awesome. So 25 cents. And that was the second coin. And then that's when I got the idea, right? I had those, I had those two coins. I thought, well, I'm gonna collect animal coins. And I just went from there. 
That's funny you mentioned the uh, Irish series, though, because a friend of mine in o- Ohio, I'm in Ohio this week at the home office, and um, he had ordered some stuff for me at the, from the U.S. Mint last year at, toward the end of the year before they raised the prices on some metals because I said, well, you know, let's just split the shipping and all that, and I'll be back and get them later or whatever. And he had a bag of stuff, and he's like, well, you know, make me an offer on this. I don't want it. And in there were these two just fantastically gorgeous condition, the coin with the chick and, you know, the hen and the chicks. And um, Yes, the, pe- the penny. Penny, yeah. This giant whopper of, you know, and, and they were, I don't remember the year. It could be 62. It could be your birth year. But I'm just like, you know, they're a dollar or two dollar coins, but... I was like, yeah, that, that the condition is just so gorgeous. I couldn't say no. I love that series. It's one of the neatest with the, you know, the bunny and the dog and the horse. And, you know, the, it, it's just a fun little series. So, um, yeah. and as you know, you, the, the Peruvian coin, you were able to, this dealer gave you an education based on, I, I always thought it was uh, an alpaca or a llama or whatever shows how much I know, but, um, you know, to be able to use that as a springboard for this educational foray. So then, though, you, you get the Irish coin, you get the Peruvian coin, and you were hooked. How quickly did you then amass uh, this collection and, and really jump in feet first with it? Well, pretty much right then. You know, there was uh, uh, several coin shows. Like, I, I live just north of Toronto, so there's... Uh, Oh, Torex. You know, the Torex show. And, uh, and then Hamilton isn't that far away. There's like three shows a year there. So that's where I, at first, where I would get, you know, my animal coins is I would just go, I would always seek out the dealers first who had binders with them in. Um, most, you know, because it's just was easier to flip through a binder. Yeah. And it was really easy to go and to get 30 coins at one show, right? Like, just like that, I'd have 30 coins. And, but the interesting thing was, was like half of them would be on my list and the other half I didn't know existed before I saw them. So while I was like trying to, you know, fill this, I think when I first made my list, I had around just over 700, you know, I spent several days, flipping through my catalogs, looking at the pictures, going, oh, yeah, there we, yeah, there, oh, yeah, there's one there, right? And I was, like, making manual lists and stuff like that. And then every time I'd go to a show, you know, the list would pretty much grow. Instead, like, I wasn't shrinking, right? It was yeah. it was like I'm acquiring these coins, but the list kept growing. <laughs> the target's and, uh, moving farther away in the, on yeah, the horizon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then now then, so then two things happened as the years went by. And first of all, too, I, I tell this, I, you know, if you look in the blog on my website, and I can't remember, there's a big gap. I acquired the coins faster than I could get them on the website. Because it's actually a lot of work. You know, just the photographing. Yeah. And then the researching. And then a lot of times, there's no indication of no idea what it is. And, you know, you look in the catalog and the Krauss catalog too would just be full of errors. Like it would say, this is a such and such an animal and it's not that thing at all. You know, you'd be trying to research it on the internet and all the hits would be to coin sites repeating 
or on coin forums where people were just repeating what they saw in the catalog. So as the time went on, the the list was growing uh, not as fast, obviously. But the other thing was it slowly got harder and harder to find anything. Because, you know, at first it's easy, right? There were literally a thousand things I was looking for. They're mostly all inexpensive. And, you know, you'd find them and then, you know, it would get less and less and less. And then I started turning to eBay, tried doing a little bit of online trading through Numista. There was a story I was at a coin show around when I first started. It might have been the first year. And I was standing around talking to some, you know, people I knew through the through the hobby and there's a dealer there. I was describing this to what I'm doing. I'm gonna collect every animal coin in this dealer who always kind of has a reputation for always looking grumpy. He just said, well, the problem with that collection is you're never going to finish it. And I'm like, well, well, you know, maybe not, but so what? <laughs> and then I, I kind of had a goal. I always thought 90%, if I could have 90% of everything, that would be good. And uh, I'm, I'm at 90% now, but I'm still trying to chisel away. Like as it stands, I think... I'd have to look at my list, but it's less than 150 coins that I need to acquire. And there aren't that many new coins with animals coming out every year. Do you consider a new type, basically? So, like, you know, if, you know, a, a coin was issued for 15 years, you, you only need the type represented, not every year, right? I only need the type. Yeah. and. It's also, too, it's kind of a, even a slightly different definition of type because to me, the type is the side with the animal only. So a new type of coin may be, you know, they may change a Canadian coin, the, the bust of the queen. Oh, yeah. It'll change. That makes it a new type. But the elk on the other side is exactly the same. So I don't really care. Yeah. Um, if the metal changes, you know, yeah, I'll count it, especially if it's one I really like. Really kind of define it myself. I try to be consistent. Yeah. There's a handful, uh, definitely every year I'm, I'm adding new coins to that list. And uh, yeah, every year there's, there's at least a small handful of new ones that go on. And I actually get a lot of those now from one person uh, named Maria. She's a Russian yeah. living in Moscow. And um, the coin collecting is different there. I'm kind of jealous because she goes to coin stores and has a bunch of them, um, I guess, between uh, St. Petersburg and Moscow. And they just, they have all these coins, you know, like if there's new coins issued in the world, she can walk right into a store and get them. And I can't, there's just not even in Toronto, you know, I can go to Toronto yeah. and it's just, it's not a thing, you know, and I'm not sure why. And they're inexpensive too, you know, it's. Yeah. Did you limit your uh, collecting to just circulation coins because there are going to be so many commemoratives? I mean, I'm holding on to a, 1985 National Park commemorative with a moose on it. So I just kind of like, okay, yeah, why why would these uh, particular coins be exempted from your list? The reason I did it was exactly what you said. 
for starters. It was, um, it's just too vast. And also because it's uh, financial, you know, I'm, I was looking at like those coins are expensive. Whereas a lot of the coins in my, like you're talking about a lot of coins that are less than a dollar. And even if they're a few bucks, you know, or you, know, you can get a beautiful coin for less than $10, the vast majority of them. Whereas the, uh, the NCLT coins tend to be made of precious metals and there's just so many there's there it, it's overwhelming yeah and i do have the stacks of them tucked away in a cupboard i i did collect them at first so to clarify for those listeners who don't know uh, nclt is non-circulating legal tender for the most part the stuff on your need to get list you know a lot of these are rather common and ten dollars or less i mean you know a couple of them like the early the early ones from albania are 30 to 40 dollars each but a lot of oh i'd love to find those at that price (laughs) those albanian coins i i mean i've seen them they're always well over a hundred (laughs) dollars yeah i've stumbled into a couple of them in the last six months that were i guess i just got a good deal on them but yeah they're uh, the other hand though like the bermuda dollar from 83 i thought that was pretty common so i was surprised to see that on the list as a a still need to have i how many total you say it's it's fewer than 100 and i see i see some 2021 coins on the list of, of things you need to get so you're paying close attention to the new issues it looks like I do. I subscribe to, I think the, the total number on the list is uh, 141 of what I need. I know a lot of them are common coins, you know, inexpensive, but uh, where are they? You know, I just, that that's the thing when you get, when the list gets down and I can't, I should have looked it up beforehand, but I don't, memorize this number sure every once in a while i calculate it but the number of coins that i have on the site i think it's like 1400 and something or something like that so when you get down to the final ones it's just like when are you going to run across it you know i um, some of them are scarce you should check out um we had don norris of worldcoingallery.com on month or two ago and he carries some of these cheaper ones and he certainly he um categorizes them by theme as well and you know animals and birds and different things so there's uh there might be some synergy there i don't know but yeah uh, i'll have to uh have to get the info on that i'm, I'm all i'm look, always looking for new sources you know every once in a while i'll go through some ebay stores and literally spend hours trying to click through looking for things but uh yeah it just get harder and harder in the past year all the coins that i added to my site was quite a few were sent to me by people there's uh you know my friend in russia there's some other people there's maryland oh yeah wisconsin uh wisconsin yeah you know maryland (laughs) <laughs> no, but I poked around. Oh, you the read site. it on. Yeah, you read it on. Yeah, yeah. I, you yeah. know, I'm just. I want to see what understand what the site offers and how it works. Yeah, and, yeah. So, so. yeah she's uh, sent me um, some different coins, and recently I got contacted by I think his name was James in uh, in Wales. Oh, fun! He just said, "Hey, give me your address. I have a bunch of extras. I don't know if you need any any of them, but I think there's a few, and I'll send you." 
these coins. And uh, so I, sure, here, here you go. And a few weeks later, I get this large package, just like chock full of uh, all this stuff, right? And I start going through it and it's like, wow, there was like, there was um, some of the Irish coins that I didn't actually have on my needed list simply because, you know, I, I thought I had it represented, but big silver crowns. Like, and I'm like going like, this has got $17 worth of silver. And, you know, and he just, here's spare coins, you know, but that's sort of my experience and in the collector world is that people help each other and they won't really think twice about giving away stuff like that. You know, it was, he didn't need it and maybe I did. And I added a few of those to my site and I still have some to go through, but. Uh, awesome. Well, you've turned me into a detective because I'm kind of, I looked at your list going, okay, well, when I go, I'm going to be thinking about this and I'm going to be looking for him on your list of only 10% of the coins that you need, is there any one or two in particular that you really consider to be a coup if you were able to land that particular coin? Well, we mentioned those Albanian coins, which I really like those. Those are, uh, you know, that would be uh, something else. But I like the idea of when I go searching as I want to finish a country. And some of them are... are, uh, you know, like Isle of Man coins. I really love those. I don't know what else. Uh, you know, the San Marino coins are always interesting. So basically, just a continuation. You you already you say, because of your encounter with the dealer, you don't think you'll ever get to 100% as well. But And of course, they're changing every year as well. But So here, I mean, I can relate to what you went through in, in a lot of ways, because I am a current collector of coins that uh, were made in my birth year. And I realized that there's not a bunch of them as well. You certainly, if you've amassed 1400, you've gotten more coins than you would have had you stayed on your birth year quest. No (laughs) doubt about that. Yes. You also mentioned you were a pig farmer. So my question here, (laughs) do you have a special place in your heart for animals that propelled you to this other than your pig farmer background? Not really. The pig farming didn't last long. We switched to sheep which were uh, much nicer animals. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've just always been around animals. I, you know, had did some time on a farm when I was growing up, you know, always have been out in nature. To me, camping is means getting in a canoe and going into the wilderness where you don't necessarily want to see certain animals, but <laughs> no, you know, yeah. That big moose, that was, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a lot of Canadian coins with animals on them. And, of course, probably the most fun, affordable, and greatest designs, I think, are that uh, Confederation Centennial Series in 1967. Yes. Do those have a special place in your heart because it's from your homeland? Or is there uh, one of the more recent... What about the more recent coins? You know, they've done national parks with the orca and bison, and they've done a lot of cool stuff, colorful circulating coins. When you have the plain coin and the colorful coin, do you get both of those or is one? Absolutely, yes. Okay. (laughs) Interesting, though, last year, the Royal Canadian Mint, which is our our national mint, they issued a a special toonie, a $2 coin. 
which is our, our bimetallic coin, mm-hmm. uh, to commemorate the hundredth anniversary of the birth of Bill Reed, which is a he's a, a world famous indigenous artist that yes. you might know of. But anyways, he um, had this motif, which was all of his art of, of a grizzly bear. It was his interpretation of a grizzly bear. So they recreated that design on the $2 coin, also in color. And um, you'd think that'd be easy for me to get. I'm a Canadian living in Canada. And oh, well, it was the pandemic year, so I couldn't really look for it. But it was the same story as previous years when they would come out with special coins that had animals. You can't find them. You know, I literally walked into banks here in my hometown. I'd go in and go up to the teller and be and try to, do you have rolls of these? Do you have these in your drawer? And they'd be like looking at you like they're ready to press the uh, alarm button. It's like, what's this guy doing? Why is he in here? You know, it's like, or, you know, you'd be in a store and I'd go, well, I'm going to, try to always pay in cash because you can get change and you're peering into the cash drawer to see if, you know, I can spot a special coin and you just can't get them. And the, the mint used to, you know, have it, they have them in playa film and sell them to you at face value. Maybe you had yeah. to pay shipping. Yeah. They quit doing that. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I wrote the letter saying, why, why don't you make it easier? I don't want to spend $40 on all the souvenir folder yeah, and those Bill Reed coins from last year—they are on my site. Yeah, you had to get them from Russia. From, yes, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Well, I can get them. They're right here, and they're cheap, right?" And I'm like, "That's just crazy, right?" Yeah, <laughs> and I've been privy to this going to the World Money Fair in Berlin. There's a network of folks who do a lot of trade and I think it's just a volume game because, like you say, it's cheap, but they get a lot of modern issues. And, you know, I've had to buy some stuff because I, well, I want it for my collection. And there's a guy I connected with. He's in uh, Hungary and he gets, you know, I got new coins from Transnistria and Hungary and Ukraine and whatever. And it's just amazing that you can go to a show, the Berlin show, and you'll see piles of new coins and they're a euro each, two euros each. You know, you can't go to a U.S. show hardly and see no one would pay the table rates to have a table and just be selling $5 and under coins by the yeah. thousands. And and it's, yeah. it's really just a different phenomenon, but you speak to this weird side of it that you had to get your Canadian coins from somebody in Russia yeah, <laughs> and, send, yeah. and send them back home. That's crazy. But um, you know, it is uh, ultimately you got them, you got the, um, you got them on the site. That w- seems surprisingly difficult to get. Has that been the most challenging or what's been the most challenging to get? I would consider that the most challenging simply because I expect it to be the easiest. You know, it's like, I'm here. I live in Canada. I should be able to get these coins, right? Especially when, you know, we have a mint who, you know, that's, that's what they do. They want to encourage people to collect coins. Yeah. Um, So, you know, that's why they do that. But they kind of don't do it very well anymore. I'm not sure why. Maybe they're just making uh, lots of money selling the, you know, the souvenir folders, yeah. which is just waste to me. I'm just going to cut them out, and I, yeah. I don't, I don't want a cardboard folder, and 
pictures and stuff like that. Well, very good. No, I, I, I totally get that. And I, you know, I think every collector gets to decide what journey they're on as far as, you know, cause you could have included the 20 for 20 and, you know, uh, coins and the 50 for 50 and hundred for hundred and all those, but, uh, and there's lots of animals on those, but even just the circulating stuff, you're looking at 1500 plus coins. That's quite a collection to build. We hope that you can get ever closer every day toward that completion and keep up with the new ones. Uh, I do thank you for talking about that with us, sharing a little bit of your journey and appreciate the fact that your site exists because again, it is, you know, it is something that collectors of any means can really pursue. I talked to somebody, uh, a dealer yesterday who said that last year was, he did three times the sales of the previous year. I think, in the pandemic, people were looking for something to do, keep busy. A lot of people got back into collecting or got collecting started. They need to know which direction to head, and you certainly provide that. So, you know, again, thank you. It's a labor of love. You just updated the site at the end of 2020, and uh, we look forward to seeing more updates more frequently at coinzoo.net. Great. Thank you. Yeah, it is a labor of love. And also, too, it's very rewarding when I first started it, it was really for myself so that I could look and see what I had. It's easier. But now a bunch of times a year, I'll get messages from people all over the world who found the site and, you know, and they'll be like the most recent one was uh, somebody telling me about his finding it and how it inspired his young daughter and was collecting. I'm like, that's, that's great. That's awesome. Just, that's rewarding for me. Awesome. And and you have the little visitor count down there. Your rough math says you have a little more than 75,000 visitors uh, since 2013. Interestingly enough, most of them from the U.S. and uh, Canada's third place. That makes sense because we know that Canadian coins are as popular here in the U.S. as they are in Canada because just our population difference. But uh, all over the world, people are finding your site. And I'm glad I found your site so we could share it with the Coin World audience on the podcast. Thank you again. You're welcome. Thank you. That was uh, Larry and I's discussion with Dan Clements of CoinZoo.net. Uh, we hope that you maybe got some inspiration for a new collecting path, learned something, uh, had at least a good time uh, thinking about some of the, the fun aspects of the hobby, because that's what matters, I think, the most to us. And, uh, you know, of course, it matters most to be doing this every week. We couldn't do this without AmosAdvantage.com. And um, thanks for listening. Tell, tell your friends, your neighbors, your enemies, all, you know, anybody who who uh, might need to know and, and uh, share the hobby with them because we're all proselytizers in a sense for the, for this great endeavor, this great pursuit. Indeed. And we enjoy it. We enjoy hearing from you and we look forward to each and every opportunity to present some of the positive things that are going on in the world of numismatics. We hope that you're enjoying the hobby as much as we're enjoying the hobby in the podcast, but until next time, Happy collecting. Thank you for listening to the Coin World Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next week.
Would you like to sponsor the Coin World podcast? If so, contact your Coin World sales representative or email Brian Hertel at b h e r t e l at amosmedia.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Affordable rates and multi-episode discounts are available. Contact us today to sponsor the Coin World podcast.